0: What if women ruled the world? What would that look like? Well, that's what we're going to find out on this week's episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, where we talk with John Gerzma, author of The Athena Doctrine. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is John Gerzma. He is the Chief Insights Officer at Young and Rubicon and a pioneer in the use of data to identify social change and help companies anticipate and adapt to new interests and demands. He is also the co-author of the New York Times bestselling The Athena Doctrine, How Women and the Men Who Think Like Them Will Rule the Future. We also got to spend uh, some time sharing a TEDx uh, stage in Kansas City, too, didn't we, John?
1: We, we did, John. It was, uh, it was great to see you, and uh, I'm excited to be with you today.
0: So, um, in Greek mythology, uh, Athena was commonly known as the goddess of wisdom, and uh, and I think qualities like courage and inspiration are often associated uh, to that uh, goddess. Is that uh, w- what you were drawing upon there?
1: We were, and I think if you go back, John, to your uh, history, your Greek mythology history, she was also the goddess of strategy and the goddess of mathematics, and I'm a little geeky, so I was interested in that. But um, she really was emblematic uh, in her spirit of the types of leaders we met and the findings that we had when we went around the world, where we started to see people really focusing on leading in a, in a new way by engaging and bringing civility to, to a lot of the work that
0: they yeah. do. And, and, and you actually, um, I mean, a lot of authors draw from their experience and write a write a book, maybe bring in some case studies, but I mean, you did exhaustive research, and as you already mentioned, uh, met and, and interviewed and talked with people in, in many, many countries. So you want to talk a little bit about the, the, the methodology around your findings?
1: Sure. So what we did is we went out to try to understand how the public, citizens in, in over 13 countries, and it was about two-thirds of global GDP, but how they were thinking about the state of the world today and what they were looking for out of, out of their leaders and we started to see a high degree of emphasis on wanting leaders to be more empathetic wanting uh, governments to be less partisan and you know really trying to seek out leaders that would that would break through and really create some solutions to some really really challenging problems around the world and The data was consistent whether we were collecting in Indonesia, China, or or back here in the U.S. And what we started to see was the emergence of these traditionally um, feminine traits and values. And this wasn't me ascribing this. This was our respondents. And we got there by studying 64,000 people across these countries, and we divided the sample in half where half the people were asked to rate 125 traits as one of the most important traits guiding modern leadership. What do we need to solve today's problems? And the other half of the sample took those traits and it gendered them as either masculine, feminine, or neither. And so when we modeled the data together, we started to see that there was a high preponderance of leadership traits like selflessness, collaboration, flexibility, long-term thinking that rose to the top. They were most correlating with modern leadership, and they were also seen as feminine.
0: Well, and, and would it be safe to say that the research wrote the book? I mean, you didn't really go out there thinking, you know, here's our thesis. Let's let's see if we can validate it.
1: Yeah, no, we were looking to try to understand more about modern leadership. What do you have to do to to be a leader to thrive? But also, really, you know, even if you're managing a you know a four person team or you're thinking about your career uh, at any stage that, that you're at, this is really sort of our learning I think was applicable to sort of change management and how you, how you sort of navigate the future. And what people were telling us, John, was that the importance of these traits really reflect the, the very radically changing world that we're in. We're in a social economy, a sharing economy. You know, we're in an economy that's really focused on transparency now because of the, all the scandals and the global financial crisis. And that along with the rise of millennial values you start to see the importance of needing to have these um, sort of aspects of you really guide your leadership style. And unfortunately, too often in business and and politics, you know, it's pretty much a a lot of the same. And that's where we started to see some frustration with, with existing paradigms of business and leadership.
0: Yeah, and and I wonder um, to what degree do you think the the fact that we are now in this, you know, social media and open communication and you can find out anything about anybody. I mean, what degree in in some ways, you know, are things like cooperation and transparency and empathy being sort of forced uh, on leaders who maybe, you know, even even knowing that they were good traits, you know, maybe they didn't make as much money if they, you know, if they were more transparent and open and they didn't get away with evil as much. I mean, so so what of that is? do you think is being kind of forced on people?
1: I think a lot of it is being forced on people. And so some of this is just really enlightened self-interest. You know, we asked this question in in the survey. It wasn't at all attached to anything having to do with with gender. But we just um, asked this question, uh, do you agree or not with the fact that today's times require we be far more collaborative in order to be successful in our careers? And we had, you know, 76% of people respond to that, and that number gets upwards of 80% among millennials. So, you know, it's just, a, its I think it's a reflection of reality that, you know, you're in a far more um, you know, sharing, guiding, flexible, agile, inclusive type of environment that you're operating in as a leader. That's not to mean that you aren't supposed to be decisive. You know, de- decisions and being resilient were seen as masculine traits among, among the data, and they were also correlated with leadership, but you just start to see how the the more modern elements of being more agile and flexible were were things that people thought were important if we were going to get leaders to solve really, really intractable problems.
0: Well, Well, one thing I'd like to suggest is that enlightened males like you and I, (laughs) haven't we sort of always known this? I mean, isn't there a little bit of a duh factor to this? I'm not saying it exists, but I mean, in terms of intellectually knowing this?
1: Well, it helps to, you know, be dads with daughters like us, but I think that the important the important thing here, John, is there's just so, so much of dissatisfaction with a lot of the structures. You know, we ask these questions like, um, I'm frustrated with the conduct of men, or two-thirds of people around the world told us that the world would be a better place if men thought more like women. What was really interesting is that there were really high numbers of men that agreed with those statements, like in places like japan where it was 79 percent or south korea um and so i think what really when we got deeper into it we started to understand is that there's there's frustration both men and women have with the way businesses run the way politics are run through the incumbency of a lot of these you know protocols and structures that prevent us from sort of being ourselves and that's where we saw the most interesting insights to our our learning you know when we interviewed these these hundreds innovators around the world they were they were actually just being human you know they were bringing their own personality sort of into the mix and finding ways to to break up a business model and and, and really create some new solutions um and i could maybe just tell you real briefly about one of the guys we met
0: yeah yeah but, uh, share some of those because I, I know you did when as part of your uh, uh ted speech um shared uh, a number of those and, and they are fascinating stories
1: well there was one guy john that um we just were so intrigued with. His name is Dr. I Maddish, And he, you know, has a PhD in virology, and he's just a remarkably bright guy, but he told me that he kept getting stuck in his experiments. And when he went around the the lab at Harvard, he basically was chastised by his colleagues. They were like, you know, why are you admitting you don't know something? You just look a little <laughs> foolish. And, and I thought, well, was so interesting about that is that He got frustrated, and he left Harvard, and he decided to do a startup, and he started this um, company called ResearchGate, which is a social network for scientists. And, you know, in the span of almost a little over three years, he's now got two million members from 200 different countries that are working on 800,000 different papers. And, you know, so you've got crowdsourcing of otherwise sort of competitive people realizing a very simple and elegant solution, which is we can be more efficient with our time if we rely on one another to crack problems. And yeah, I think and that's vulnerability, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it also really brought, drives home the point that this isn't so much a book about women and how women should act as it really is a book about traits and behavior, isn't it?
1: That's it. I mean, 81% of people in our data said man or woman, you need both masculine and feminine traits to thrive in today's society. The issue is... Um, you know, and I'm going to go straight at it. The, the issue is, is that business politics have for somehow imprinted that the way women think is somehow traditionally less important, which is absolutely ludicrous. And on top of that, it's actually the most essential thing we need to reflect this new sort of sharing social economy. And so I think, you know, there's a sort of a, a side part to this that's, that's really important to me is that as a dad with a 10-year-old daughter, which is that I really believe our research, I believe our findings, that, you know, there's great ways to advocate for, for women and girls by having all of, all of us men understand that these behaviors, these traits, they're inside all of us. We just don't use them enough, and they're great things that we can use to get ahead in business.
0: You know, one of the first thoughts when, when um, your book came out, essentially at the same time as another book um, written by a woman... Um, about women's issues. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Um, (laughs) lean in. Um, and, and I, you know, I initially kind of thought, well, how does this sit with that? And, and I think, uh, of course, then, then I did a little research and found you, you, you shared your thoughts on this already on the Huffington post. And, um, and I thought that, uh, I'm going to read one line from that. I just think is probably sums it up. If you're a woman, be you. And if you're a man, open up, it's not about women leading or leaning into the ways of men but the other way around. And and I'd I'd love it if you maybe kind of of expand on that thought about uh, the comparison of this book with Lean In.
1: Sure. Well, I think Cheryl's written a hugely important book, and it's going to resonate with a lot of women and a lot of men. Um, I think what we tried to do was offer another contribution to this topic, this conversation, which is to bring men and and boys uh, into this discussion because... I think, frankly, when you you talk about women's issues, most guys think of, well, that's women's issues, those aren't my issues. And we're really talking about innovation. We're talking about how you get ahead in your career. And so, you know, it's great to, to offer that message to, to women to, to lean in, uh, to, you know, drive uh, their careers forward. But I also think it's going to be really, really important that politics, business, society, the way that we imprinted these stereotypes on the way women think are really out of step with today's times and they're going to be very important for guys to sort of uh, lean back and reflect and think about how they can come to the table on, on such an important issue.
0: Well, yeah, and let me let me ask it maybe more directly. If I'm a man listening to this, how can I benefit from your research?
1: Sure. So, you, know, you need to be yourself. And when I've gone around the country and I'm about ready to go on a world tour doing the, doing support of the book, most of the positive response I'm getting are coming from guys. They're saying, you know what? I'm actually not always myself at work. I've got to fall into the group sync and I've got to follow policies and the way that we do things. And what we saw with a lot of these innovators, John, was they were breaking convention. They were tilting at windmills by being themselves. You know, Dr. Mattis was a brilliant guy, that he wanted to be vulnerable in a way that was practical. And, you know, he he taught me something valuable. You know, we all talk about learning from failure. You know, if you Google learning from failure, there's like 129 million hits. What he really taught me is that there'd be far less failing if we admitted what we didn't know in the first place. And and that's a human response. So that's what I'm saying is that we all have these things outside of nine-to-five lives. But, you know, are we really using them? to get ahead in business. Are we being selfless? Are we being empathetic? Are we being collaborative? Are we really thinking long-term over expediency? These are the things that both people want and the stories that we sort of unpack in this book about the people that we met.
0: One um, little sub-theme or uh, something that uh, obviously I think important, um, probably can't be stressed enough. There's certainly um, a an element of folks out there that suggest that you know a lot of our wars that we end up fighting have to do with you know the the male dominance and the uh, the male approach uh, and some of the that's why I I think all of your research that showed people weren't happy with leadership. uh, You you um, you shared uh, in the TED talk that I saw and in in your book um, some thoughts on uh, feminine traits even in military leadership.
1: We did. You know, we, we met um, Orna Barbavi, Major General Barbavi, and she's the highest-ranking woman in the Israeli Defense Force. And when we were at the IDF in Tel Aviv, she talked about how she approached military strategy from the perspective of a mother. And what was interesting about that is she, she had this, I thought was a pretty interesting quote. She told me that a soldier has to have a, a wider viewpoint than what he or she sees looking through, you know, the scope. And what she meant by that was that, you know, mothers, in her view, uh, being a mother of two daughters, um, have to sort of assess the consequences of action and engage and, and think uh, at multiple different angles about a conflict or a, or a problem before really taking force. And she was first to tell me that, you know, nobody's stronger and more protector if, than a mother if they're provoked, but she she pioneered a pretty interesting program where she, um rewarded soldiers, men and women, for engaging people and building their esteem as they were coming through the checkpoints um, around the Israeli border. And one of the things she did is she stationed both of her daughters at checkpoints. And so the presence of women has had a, a de-escalating effect on, on conflicts um, in her data, and it's something that she continues to employ. So, you know, whether it was an empathetic, vulnerable guy like Dr. Mattish or a very strong a very reasonable and, and practical woman we just saw these really interesting people exhibiting a range of sort of different human uh, responses masculine and feminine responses that we all have inside us to sort of tackle problems
0: there is um, some good news for uh, for men in this book isn't there um, I think there are a handful of traits that uh, that 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 do fare well that are typically masculine traits, and and I think that uh, obviously your book is talking about balance. But do you want to kind of share some of the the traits that are maybe more commonly associated uh, as masculine traits that 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 I think men you know should look at as strengths, possibly, and women should look at as as you know how to um, you know how to balance? Sure,
1: I mean definitely the, the very strong sought after uh, traits that that people thought were essential in modern leadership and. By the way, we also talk about in the book about, you know, your own personal happiness uh, in terms of people's surveys. But just to stick on leadership, it was about being resilient, about being strong, about being decisive. Because after all, you've got to make decisions. But it was interesting to us to see how those things were balanced by more feminine traits of of flexibility and, and nurturing and kindness. And I guess the key thing about this isn't. About, you know, this isn't some sort of end of men book. It's actually designed to be really prescriptive for, for men to take advantage of, of behaviors that we all have. But the things that were seemingly more aligned with the future about this social sort of transparent economy that we're in were skills and traits that are easily applicable to either, either a man or a woman um, in terms of how they, they think about moving forward. But you know, John, one of the things that people talk to me about is they said, "Well, hey, you know, is this like are these like soft skills," and you know, there's been great research done done on that, and that, that's part of it, I guess. That's the reflection of of a transition from a manufacturing to a service economy that we're most are, of our countries are facing, where you've got to have more, you know, communication skills, be a better listener. But the other part of this really is, John, these people were really strong. I mean, these are people solving really difficult problems. You know, we met the head of um, the municipal planning uh, director in Medellin, in Colombia, which has dealt with decades of violence, often um, among conflict with the youth. And one of the things they're doing in Medellin is they're devoting 62 percent of the operating budget of the country to people under 30, with free schools, free mm. you know, libraries, after school programs, in an attempt to sort of break these systemic cycles of violence. So. You know, one of the things we're just seeing is these innovative men and women were just basically going out, realizing that the way things have always been isn't yielding the results that we need. And let's try something different. And that's where I think a lot of these feminine traits are, are starting to, to yield some impact.
0: Well, and, and going back to um, uh, the, the comment you made earlier about, you know, some people saying I'm not really myself at work, and some, you know, in, in some cases that's, you know, decades worth of culture. Uh, that, that has built that inside of an organization, and um, if you're a leader in an organization, and maybe you don't have a, a, a advice or an opinion on this, but if you're a leader in an organization, you know how do you start a movement and change the culture? Um, you know, knowing that this is a good long-term uh, approach. Any, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things we're doing, John, is we're building out leadership workshops for companies where the management, the executive management, their employees can actually go through the same data and questions that we offered uh, people um, in the book and, and find a way to sort of understand sort of, you know, how they are set up and and what are the obstacles to, you know, being more innovative and, you know, looking at not only how the organization is set up but how the leadership talks and whether or not people feel like it's a place that is really in the best interest of, of their career and their development. But I think, you know, it really does start with, Fostering an environment that's open and allowing, you know, um, different points of view. You know, one of the the, the great champions for us uh, of this book has been Geraldine LeBourne and she's the you know the brilliant marketer who founded and created the, the freight train of Nickelodeon. And you know, one of the things she sits on a number of boards often is the only woman and she said, she said her role in boards is to ask stupid questions. (laughs) You know, and I thought that was such a brilliant comment, you know, she made to me. and But that's the thing, you know, is that we get so aligned and so fall in love with our business models, the way we do things that we just sort of steamroll ahead and we often miss, you know, valuable input. And that's, that's really a function of, you know, what Cheryl's talking about with lean in. But also what we're talking about with just people opening up and being more flexible in a way to be more agile and, and to recognize uh, new routes to solving problems.
0: I, um, for my last book, interviewed a company called Blue Sky Factory, and they have uh, the most incredible culture. Um, they, first off, everybody knows everything. So all the numbers, everything, you know, everything is shared with everybody. Um, every uh, there is no hierarchy um, there. There are functional teams, but then they uh, they rotate leadership through those teams. Um, and there's total consensus on any sort of major decision. Everybody has to vote thumbs up or, you know, or, or it doesn't uh, happen. And I just thought that, you know, that that is a, a really incredibly working, uh, a, a, you know, example, I think, of a lot of the things you talk about in this book. Absolutely.
1: You know, we we saw in our data 68% of people and 72% of millennials would work for less money at a company whose values they admired. And I think this is going to be a new terrain especially important with millennials in terms of, you know, whether or not the company's core values are set up in a way that are really, you know, human and ethical. And again, it's not to say that this is going to happen at the expense of profits. I mean that The innovators that we talk about in this book and sort of the examples that we show, we show incredible new business models based on these, you know, traditionally feminine traits and values. You know, Giles Andrews in in Zopa, we interviewed him for peer-to-peer lending. Um, a really innovative guy named Tim Kunde who created, uh, insurance with your friends. Basically, we go in to buy insurance and, you know, these models are, are taking root. They're resonating and they're breaking through because they're different.
0: Well, and and you know the collaboration aspect of that. I love. I remember reading that story that 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 you keep you keep costs down because everybody gets after each other about staying healthy and about being, you know doing this and doing that, exactly. so you keep costs down. And it's such a it it's such an obvious model for how many many things should be run. Um, so you you were um, you were talking about uh, workshops and some other things that you're doing. You want to share where people can find out more about. Any material related to the book, uh, additional, because I know you have some other, um, some other freebies and content there, and, and anything else you want to share?
1: Uh, absolutely, John. I mean, if you go to um, www.athenadoctrine.com, you'll get some information. There is, first of all, we have the TED talk that I gave at uh, TED TC uh, along with you. I've got that up there um, on slides for people to just take and give it in their, in their organizations. All the data from the book is there if anyone wants to use it, reference it um, in any of the speeches that they're doing on leadership or, or sort of their own research. And we've got um, detailed information on how to contact me to, to learn a little bit more about the workshops as we move uh,
0: going forward. Okay, and the money question. Does your research suggest Hillary Rodham Clinton twenty sixteen is a is a freight train that's about to arrive?
1: Well, she's definitely got a interesting time uh, in terms of what people want in a leader. And again, I think the power of this book is there could be a a man that could understand those traits just as well and perhaps you know compete on that on that yeah. platform. So it, it, that's I think the interesting thing. These are innovative men and women that are doing these things. And, uh, John, I'd also just briefly like to mention, you know, all proceeds of the book support the United Nations Girl Up campaign. It's www.girlup.org. And it's just a terrific group of uh, of, of interesting programs that are helping to sort of mint the next generation of, of young women leaders. And what we're doing is, is developing a, a forum to include boys into this in a way that hopefully inspires a, a new generation
0: of leadership that's awesome i'm, I'm very happy you shared that uh, so well we are out of time for today john uh thank you so much for stopping by fascinating fasting stuff as you mentioned you know i have four daughters and i, I think you have two
1: is that right I have one, but sometimes oh, one. it seems
0: like two. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, and and so I, you know, sometimes your your ears, you know, perk up a little more because you've you know you've seen the the negative effects of, of you know some of the things you're yeah. talking about too. Uh, um, so uh, a really really brilliant book, not a surprise to me at all that is done extremely well. Um, so uh, I thank you for stopping by, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll see you out there on the road.
1: Oh, I've always enjoyed your podcast, John, and I really appreciate the time. Thanks. Thank you.